What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in once again to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. This is Chris Kane. I got my boy Alex on the pod today. What's up, Alex? What's up, everybody? What's up? What's up? So Alex and I go way back to the to the bad old Miami days, and I've I've seen you posting a lot lately, and I've seen you attempt to do something that I think is super difficult to do, and that's have real conversations on social media. Like I think it's it's almost a non-starter, but if you ever do get a real conversation, it's dope. And so I was like, you know what, man? Social media is not the platform. Let's take it to a pod, long form. Let's get these ideas out. But I've noticed that when you post anything, your whole thing is let's have a real conversation. Let's not attack each other. Let's be adults about it. And you put that disclaimer on every time because I think you like I think that it's hard to have real conversations. Tell me about your experiences with trying to like get your ideas across with people. Um, I mean, you know, we, we were talking a little bit about this podcast starting before it started. And we, we came to a conclusion, or we both agree, I guess, that people already have their minds made up, right? And, yeah. and you know, you can talk about across political spectrum. You can talk across, you know, most, let's say Americans, or I'll just say most people that live in Miami, because this is where I live. <laughs> sure. I, you know, I don't know about the rest of the country, but. It's like that know, I hear too. Have, yeah. They have their mind made up. And what I've come to notice is that people tie their ego with their opinions. Mm. So. Okay. Whenever their ideas or their philosophies come into contact with facts or come into contact with something that can be contrary to what they currently believe, they forget that they have the right to change their opinion at any moment. They, they forget that they have the right to say, I was wrong, you know, um, and, and that's very difficult for a lot of people. So, you know, what, what the, the, the first defense mechanism that I've seen at least is to attack the other person, right? Yeah. They attack the person, uh, you know, on, on the way they are, they attack them if they're racist, they attack if they're, you know, whatever the case may be. They just attack their personality instead right. of saying, those are interesting facts, let me digest that a little bit and then let me argue what my idea is. Right. And one of the things, one of the exercises that I really enjoy doing that have kind of helped me to stay away from the, that type of mentality is if, if I have an idea, and let's say it's a controversial one, uh, I love debating, right? So sure. what, what's the best way that I can reaffirm the way that I believe is to debate pro the other side. Right. So let's say, you know, I, I, I like wearing this color shirt and I believe this is the best color shirt. Um, I'm going to go on the other side of things and say, actually, that's not, you know, for X and Y reason. And then I try to defend that side of the coin. When you do that, you, you get a couple interesting things happen. One, uh, you either reinforce your decision-making and your critical thinking skills and say, yeah, I, you know, I have a pretty sound argument. Mm -hmm. Or two, you kind of open your paradigm and you say, wait a second, I can understand why someone that doesn't think like me thinks the way that they do. Sure. Maybe I should talk to someone that, that disagrees with my opinion. And, and then that, that's really where we need to be going, right? Let's have these conversations. Let's be adults about it. Stop being children like a lot of people are being. And, and let's get to somewhere where we say, okay, we disagree that's okay. And you know, we're, we're brothers and sisters at the end of the day, right? What's your, your approach is actually, that's how science is done. That's how you prove an experiment. Like you have an hypothesis and you try to disprove the argument. So, and then once you can't, then you say it's a truth and then you kind of get it reaffirmed by the people. The idea of let's be adults, as you said that it, it sparked something in my brain where I don't know a time when we weren't children. We just didn't have social media and cameras to pointed out like because it's like the fictional concept of let's go make america great again like when was the time when people had 
these hard conversations and we actually arrived at, I came in with this opinion, we had this hard conversation and then I got to a different, I don't know when we ever had that time, but I know more people are talking now and more people have cameras on them. And so it's, we're more maybe entrenched than we used to be because now we have the internet to just kind of circulate information. But I think generally, at least in this country, I can't speak for the world because I never travel really and I don't know their culture. In this country, people generally are where they are. And you mentioned politically to start off with, the idea of changing your mind politically gets you labeled a flip-flopper, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah which, which, is, which is incorrect. And, and fundamentally speaking, when, when you know, I have two small children, right? and when, when we are wrong as children, it's, it's kind of frowned upon. And in reality, you hear the most successful businessmen, you hear the most, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur, so I, I read a lot of businessmen and I read their opinions. Right. Because, you know, I, I want to continue growing. Um, and when you read them, they say, make mistakes, make them often and learn from them. You know, yeah. a mistake is, who cares? You know, it's, it's better, it's better to make the wrong decision than to be at, at a point with no decision, you know, to just be sitting down yeah. and not go anywhere. If you make the wrong decision, you pivot, you continue on. And, and, you know, we shouldn't be frowning about people's mistakes. We should be happy. And, and that's one of my biggest issues with, with what we're living in right now is, right. you know, people make mistakes. Right. Five years later, after the mistake, it's a completely different person. Let's say, let's give them the reasonable doubt. They're a different person. They've grown. You know, they they, they have a family now. They're responsible. Whatever. And we're gonna make them feel bad about something they did five years ago. You don't know what that person's lived through internally. You don't know what they went through because of what what the decisions they made. True. You know. And and at the end of the day, like it's a holier than thou mentality. You know, we, we all make mistakes. We should embrace our mistakes. We should move forward. We should keep them. And we should talk to other people about the mistakes that we've made so that they can learn without making the same mistakes. So I think, you mix that with, 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 with the idea of, you know, a quick and, and, and erasable social media lifestyle. It's, it's, a, it's a time bomb. Man. I think I've mentioned this on previous pods, but it's been a minute, that there's a TED Talk on being wrong that I think is dope. I think it's like 20 minutes long. And basically her conclusion is we learn as kids well actually her her premise is how do you feel when you're wrong she poses that to the audience and people are like dumb i feel you know unloved whatever and she's like well actually you don't feel you feel right it's only when other people tell you you're wrong that you feel the social part so if i say what's four times four eight when i said eight i felt confident i felt smart i felt like i'm putting myself out there i didn't feel wrong or dumb it's when someone's like, actually 16 doofus, and then everybody starts laughing, and you're like, oh, man. And what it does right. at a young age is it conditions you to not want to take chances, to not want to be wrong, because you don't want to get the ridicule from other people. And so it makes us, like, you know, enclose ourselves. Now, there's a personality type where you may get it wrong. You say, I'll show you. I'll get the next one right. So maybe you keep raising your hand, and that person tends to be the business entrepreneur type person where it's like, right. you know what? I'm not going to let you tell me I'm dumb. Yeah, I got that one wrong, but I'll get the next one right. But so many people get it wrong, start feeling small, and they don't have a way to express that properly. So they just kind of like, they don't know the answer. They'll write the right answer down and be like, but that's wrong. I want to be called out again. So I'm keeping it in myself. And you do that in life and in business, and you stay in your bubble, and you don't want to expand your thought. And then if you get conformist, and it's a whole... And, and, and acceptance of being that you're wrong is growth, man. You know, that's growth. And if you can't accept it, and if you can't see that you're wrong, you're not growing. You know, that, that's, a, that's a huge issue, man. Like, the, the whole, I mean, 
we're, we're seeds, man. We need to grow every single day, every single day, whether it's in business and relationships and spiritually, whatever the case may be, whatever, whatever your hobby, whatever it is, if you're not growing, what are you doing? You know, that, I mean, that, that's one of my, my, my big things with Corona, right? You and I are, are we're in the field of discipline, right. right? And we were just talking about it. We, we've thrived in this time because we have a routine because we have discipline because, you know, we wake up probably at the same time every day. Yeah. You know, we go to sleep around the same time every day, give or take, you know, we eat a certain amount knowing that it's going to be what's best for us. We drink right. water, we do all these things and, and we're fine. But the majority of Americans don't live like that. So what, what does this lockdown do to them mentally? What does, what does this isolation do to them? Right. And, and you know, that's, that's data that's going to have to be impacted for many years to come. You know, we're going we're gonna to start seeing a lot of scary numbers that we've never seen in the history of the world before. You know? I believe anyway. No, I think this is an interesting thing because, like, you said a lot that we can unpack, so we got time, so let's do it. Um, the idea that the first part of BNC is in growing, I think most people aren't trying to grow, frankly. I think people are... And, that, and that's, listen, that's yeah. okay too, right? Sure. I think that's okay too. They, they have the right to, to want to stay where they want. I mean, that's not what I want. That's not what I want for my family, but... Right. You know? I think it's, it's one of those situations where, I don't know what the philosopher is, but he basically says, they can't be rich without the poor, they can't be light without dark, whatever, whatever. There have to be some people who don't want to grow to allow there to be soil and space for people who do. If everybody's trying to grow, then the trees will take over the world. We wouldn't be able to have roads. Like they would just grow into everything. There's some trees that are ginormous and that's a whole forest. And there's some that grow small and they just kind of live until, you know, some animal eats it. But most people, I think, maybe not most, there's a percentage of people who are cool with the grind, making just enough to get by, a vacation every blue moon. They're content. They are okay in their relationship. Not in love, not whatever. They're good. They're tired. Sure. I would disagree with you is that there's growth is multifaceted. Sure. Right. So as, as a society, well, let's say just as me, forget about society. I don't want to speak generally. I'll try to limit that as much as possible as okay. me for many parts of my life. I, I looked at uh, success as a financial thing. Mm-hmm. And, and the older that I've become, the more I realize that, yeah, it's important to me personally, but success, financial success is not the only parameter. Of growth. No, no. Right. I mean, there's a spiritual aspect. There's a family aspect. There's a charitable aspect. There's a time aspect. And, and if you're able to maximize your time and you're able to be better at that, if you're able to express your love to your partner better, you know, that's some type of growth, right? And, and that's a parameter that, that it may be intangible to measure. It may be more anecdotal than anything else, but that's just as important, you know? Sure. Uh, it's, it's, love is important. Charity is important. Uh, family is important. We, we see it. We see that without the family unit, if we're not looking for family growth, we're doomed, dude. As, as men, as strong, good men right. that, that, that build society, we are one of the most important things that exist. Sure. You know, when you start going into statistics of, of, of fatherless homes, when you start going into yeah. statistics of abusive men, like men, men make up, I'm making up a statistic. Anybody watching, please correct me on this. <laughs> yeah, we got but I that. think it's close to like 80% of all crimes, violent crimes are committed by men. So the same way that we have the ability to, to destroy, we have the ability to grow. We have the ability right. to make our place a better place. And it doesn't have to be financial only, right? Right. It doesn't have to be. It could, it could just be something as simple as picking up your park. That's growth. Yeah, you know? yeah I think, I, I think, yeah, I think we normally attribute growth to the financial sector. So I'm with you on that. I believe, and maybe this is, this is also not rooted in anything substantial. 
I believe if you're willing to grow in one facet of your life, that that becomes pervasive and you want to grow in other parts. I don't think oh, you yeah. just want to be, I'm just going to be a better husband, but not grow in either part of my life. I think it's going to be like, I want to be a better father. I want to be a better son than better sure. in my community. I think it's going to be a thing. So we see finances as like the end all because this country is running on money and we are a capitalist society and what have you. But once you open the Pandora's box of growth or self-reflection or whatever avenue you get to, to start growing, you start realizing where you're falling short. And maybe you sure. never ascend in all those areas. Maybe you have 10 areas that I could be better in. Maybe you only make five legitimately better in your lifetime, but you're striving to improve. And hopefully that manifests as you live in a good life. I hope you're not a good person who's homeless. Like, yo, man, I'm so spiritual, but uh, my house, for clothes, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, I mean, hopefully like those correlate to where you can live a life and still be growing other facets of your life. But I think a lot of, I think a lot of it is most, I think a lot of people don't know themselves like first and foremost. So you don't know where you need to grow. And so we just do the external money is the easy thing. How nice is your car? How, you know, big is your house? And so that's the easiest, most non reflective way to look at it. Man, I live in a one room apartment. It'd be nice to have two rooms or have a, an extra bathroom. And so it's like, let's just try to build money. But the idea of what, of it, what is it in me that's holding me back and my relationships and my confidence and what have you, that's a deeper dive. And I think once you start diving that deep, you don't know what the bottom is. And I think that is fearful. And this is all anecdotal. There's some science to this, actually. But no, I, mean, I think, scary. I think it is scary, yeah, right? that people are scary. scared to dive deep to see how deep that well is. Because you may have traumas from 20 years ago that you've just been pushing just bury and then once you tap on it and it starts bubbling back up you have to confront it you have to deal with what that is and that is maybe that's the key to growing it across the board but you just been i'm not going to go there because it's a dark place it may bring up emotions you may cry and do all that stuff and you have to know yourself before you can even really i think do the other things you want to do as well, far as we're, we're, you know one of my priorities with my children since they were very young was to teach them how to pray Right. And and I'm a God fearing man. But let's let's remove that for a second. Right. right. Let's remove the fact that I believe in God. And let's remove the fact that I, I believe he created me and put me on this earth for, for a reason. Mm -hmm. At the very minimum, I'm teaching my kids how to reflect, teaching them how to reflect on their day. I'm teaching them how to be thankful for the things around them. I'm teaching them to pray for other people and to be caring of them every time they pray. Um, and, and just being able to do that is the beginning of growth, too. Right. Sure. Uh, just, just seeing like, what, what, what could I have done better? To, you know, it's, it's funny, man. It's gotten to a point that I, I believe that one of the hardest phrases for anybody to say is I'm sorry, I was wrong. Oh, and, and it's something that's so easy. Like you made a mistake. We all do every single day. So what move forward, you right. know, but, but that begins with reflection because if I don't look internally and I don't say, man, you know, like I drank CK's uh, Gatorade. Oh. And like, man, if somebody drank my Gatorade, Hands yeah, I, I'd, I'd be really upset, you know, but yeah. instead of saying that, just say, oh, I drank it, whatever, and move on. Like, it's something that could be silly to you, but it means a lot to somebody else. Right. And, and that's, that's the, the parameters for growth, man. That's, that's, that's what we're missing. We're missing. We're, we're becoming more computerized and we're becoming less human. Man. You know, we, mm. we care so much about, about, about social media. We care so much about politicians that have never met us a day in our life. We care so much about trends and fashion 
and you name it, Amazon, that, that we're, we're becoming less human, you know? Yeah. We're becoming, and, and, and honestly, like, for, 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 for better or for worse, I feel like the masks are kind of helping with that. You know, you're not seeing people smile anymore. You're literally not, you know, I remember growing up here, a smile could, could change someone's life. So now you can't even see someone smile. So you're having a shit day, or sorry, sorry for the bad word. You're having a this terrible fine. day. This, this you're having a terrible day and you're walking out and, and before someone would just smile at you, you know, a cute girl, a handsome man, an yeah. old man, an old woman. And, and that would just be like, man, life is a beautiful thing. Now you don't even have that, you know, and it's, it's, you know, we can argue about policy of masks and all those other things, but I, the truth is that that's missing from our lives, man. That's, that's impactful, you know? I think there's, like you mentioned, the becoming less human part. I think that's a big deal. I think it starts in your opening statement about ego being attached to what you believe, I think is the strongest point across this because you and many, we're all wrong at some point. Like it's, I have this conversation with people who don't believe racism is a real thing occasionally. And it's a, it's a very simple point. It's like, we all admit racism is a thing. And even they'll be like, yeah. And I was like, but where is it? And then they'll just kind of like look up. It's like, and I don't mean like the KKK outside of your house. Like that's a very small part of the country. Like what, I don't know what their membership is, but I'm guessing it's less than a million, right? Like they're a small group of people. So I'm just like, we all admit it's a real thing, but where are they? And they're just kind of like, well, I guess you're right. So it's like, we all know that we're wrong at some point. Where, but no one's infallible. We know that like here, I'm not infallible. So why is it an issue to say I'm wrong about anything? You already admit it. You're not infallible. Like that's the parameter we're working from. So it shouldn't be a, now if your position was I'm never wrong, then you can't admit fallibility because one time being wrong means you're not infallible. And it's intellectually I'm with you. But if you know, I'm a person, I made mistakes. I left my keys. Oh, I didn't bring my passport to the airport. Like you, like little stuff. You can't admit you're wrong about little stuff, which a lot of people can't. Then of course on bigger stuff like maybe what you believe religious wise, what you believe politically, what you believe about guns or about childbirth or about vaccines and all that. If you can't admit little things, then how could you really think about how you were raised or maybe your parents were ill-informed and then told you something and then you just started parroting what they said, but they even your parents didn't really check what the basis of their beliefs were. They just parroted what their parents said. And it goes down to generations that you're like the fifth generation, like why do we believe this? Well, it's funny. It's funny putting this into context of what we do. You know, yeah. I'm a coach. Chris is a coach. Mm-hmm. We, we had this, this anecdote that I always said, uh, because coach told me to. Yep. Right. So you have these teams of football players, basketball, wrestling, and they do an exercise that's stupid. That doesn't make sense. <laughs> that like science doesn't back that, right. that we know, you know, it's just annoying. And they're like, Oh, why do you do it? Cause that's what coach taught. Yeah. And the previous person, but why do you do it? Oh, cause that's what coach said. And you continue doing it and feel like you're saying it's the same concept, right? We're talking about an exercise, but it happens across the board. Yeah. I, I think one of the most powerful tools for people who want to have an intellectual conversation, um, there's two. One is to accept that you can't have an con- intellectual conversation with everybody. Like that's, oh, that's number that's, one. That, yeah, like that's, that's number one. That's a big but deal. number two, when you do come across someone that's, that's, in, that's intelligent enough to have a conversation, but you know, is a little stubborn. I think the biggest weapon or the biggest tool that you can use with them in order to get to a point is to find common ground first. Yeah. So let's just say, you know, 
I, I posted this on my Facebook recently and I said, <laughs> I love my country and I love the people in my country. I love the people around me, my community, right? If we can't agree on this, then we can't talk about how we can make this better. Right. If we both, if you, if I say, you know, I love Miami, I love every aspect of Miami. I love the people in it. I love the state of Florida. This is how I believe I can make it better. Right. If we can't agree on that sole principle, then we, we, we can't really have this discussion because if you don't like the place, then you want to see it burn down or you, you know, you want to see it disappear or you don't know, you know, you don't want to see the current lifestyle. Then, then we don't, we, we, we literally will not agree on anything, right? Yeah, no but foundation. if we both agree, but the way that we're going to make it to a better place is a different road, that's okay, man. You know, that, that's, yeah. that's, that's a great conversation to have right there, right? I think that's, that's one of the principles and how to, how to win friends and influence people. It's a good business book for people who haven't read it. And the common ground thing is, I think, essential because I think was, uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson had this, he had this principle for debating or whatever. He says, basically... He doesn't talk to anybody about anything if they come into the conversation not malleable. If they say, I don't believe space is real at all. And I say, well, what if I gave you all the space facts? Would you believe it? You say, no. No. Got nothing to talk about. No, no way. <laughs> well, what are we talking no about? Like, I can tell you, like, you want to get in a rocket and go to space? Like, if you don't believe that, if your position is unchangeable, we don't need you to have the conversation. And the issue is that people, we talk pre-show about the 40, 40, 20 thing where if 80% of people made their mind up already and you're talking to someone whose mind is made up, they said, see, this is why you're wrong. Their mind is made up. It's not going to get through because we don't have a common ground. I see you as the enemy, not as someone with a different opinion. Yeah, we're not, we're not collaborating. We're not collaborating towards right. the same goal. Like, like we are, <laughs> like this is the Wigs and the Tories. We're not on the same team here. Like I don't, I don't see any salvageable part of you. I'm going to pull out the anecdotal, like worst, worst, worst parts of what you are or people I think you are associated with are, and I'm just gonna drive that point home. There's nothing to talk about. If someone's like, I don't know what I feel, give me some information, you have that conversation. Or if they're like on the fence, whatever. If they're entrenched, we're not, we're not doing this. Like we're not gonna, have, we, can, we can do it. Like my dad and I had this whole thing. My dad's super political um, and he's an immigrant and all that stuff. So he's from Trinidad and Tobago, he's very cool. That's where I get the eyebrows from. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Like everybody in my family has that. But he's someone who's like, he inundates himself with politics. Like he's a truck driver. So when he's on the road, he's listening to it nonstop. He watches, like he doesn't, he watches sports and stuff too. But he's so into it that he's just like, just looking to get that off. Cause he's on, he's on a road for like eight, 10 hours at a time by right. himself. He just, he's just saturating this. And stuff. it's just, it's just here. So when he gets around regular people, he wants to just like unload on people, which I get because you're not around people and you want to get it off. The thing is that the people he's talking to either don't want to hear it or don't agree with them and aren't changeable. And so it's just him basically just forcing his point on people and them just kind of like, Hey, I don't want this. And well, it's, it's like, it's like that guy that stands in the middle of Times Square with a megaphone <laughs> telling you God is real. Like, yeah. Okay, I agree with you, but there's there's a way to do things, right? There's sure. a way to communicate your message so you come across the most people, right. and that's that's something that I see. Generally speaking, we're lacking direction. Mm -hmm. You know, like like if if I have a point, I want to win as many people over as I can with my point. How am I going to do that? Right. I mean, and and that's where I have to really think critically. One, see who my audience is. Two, really come through as 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 an authority quote unquote authority figure so people actually listen and and three 
instead of just stating a problem, give a solution, right? Like, like everybody has a problem, problem, problem. That, that means right. nothing, dude. State a solution. What would you like to see in this world to, for it to become a better place? You know, and, and if you can win people over, if you can state a solution, then run for office, please. Because I would love <laughs> to see that, man. You know? That's, that's a, listen, and we talked a little bit in our pre-show meeting, but where where we are now, I don't I don't like, I don't know what the inception of what we thought governance would be, because now like I'm I'm trying to think about it more like, if, if 400 years ago to where it is now, like I don't know if they could have foreseen it going where it is now. We're basically in the age now, politically anyway, of we're just going to be as divisive or as dirt digging as possible, be very little on on the positional side like very little on the on the policy side but basically we're, we're becoming more personality driven than we are policy driven maybe that's maybe that's the shortest way to say that yep. if i like the person then i'll ride whatever they do even though i'm assuming the the goal of governance was to enact policies to affect the country i i'm guessing that's what the framework of the country was that's why you have to have x number of votes and electoral college and all that whatever is to get the majority of people to get behind something that they believe will eventually impact their lives more positively. And where we are now is maybe for the last like 10 to 15 years, honestly, where it's personality is I like this person. I don't like this person. I don't care what the policies are. And the danger in that is that charismatic people can do one of they can, they can deceive you or they can be listen. JFK was charismatic and he was, and then, you know, we know how he got in, how he ended up and yeah. There's, there's a charisma to Reagan. There's a charisma to Obama. There's a charisma to Trump. Like everyone else in between them, like uh, Jimmy Carter wasn't super charismatic. Like Herbert <laughs> Walker wasn't really charismatic, whatever. So like we can take some out. Gerald Ford didn't even want to do what he did. <laughs> He's right. like, I don't want to be here right now. But, yeah. but so like, so we've seen examples in those four people of it going all the ways, like charismatic and then being better for the country, charismatic, maybe being less good for the country. But I don't even know, like we talked before, I don't even know what the policies of the people running nowadays are. And, and everybody's made up their mind. They already know. But I'm not, I don't want to mention the names because I'm tired of hearing it. You know, yeah, yeah. I don't want to. There are two candidates. Yeah. Uh, they, 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 everyone already has made up their mind on who they're going to vote for, at least the majority of the people that are going to vote. Like and, 80%, and I, yeah. on, today is what, the, the 8th of June of July? I'm sorry. We got five and, more months of this. Yeah. And not only that, <laughs> but policies haven't come out yet. I haven't seen their policies. How are we voting on people without knowing? So, so what if what if both of their policies are to imprison every single American available? I mean, you know, that's yeah. an extreme thing, but like, yeah. no. But you know, you know, to to add to this point, I think one of the biggest issues is that we've given our government and politicians our personal power, mm. and we've given them way too much. So we look to governments for answers, and the reality is we hold those answers. So. When you look at charity, when you look at, at work, when you look at change, mm. if you go through government, it takes a very, very long time. If you go through the community, it yeah. happens the same day, man. You know, and I'll give you an example, a personal example of mine. Okay. Uh, and there, there's two quick examples, but they both relate. So we had a really big hurricane called Irma come through Miami. Yeah, and it was terrible. We had some, you know, I had, I had about $10,000 worth of property damage. It was kind of bad. Trees were knocked down, whatever. So is the trees that get you. It's always, yeah. 
So I, I live directly in front of a park, like literally walk, it's, it's my front yard. And in that park, we have a playground, a small playground. And my kids go to that playground since they were born, since my daughter mm. was born. And I felt like it was my obligation after I helped my neighbors clean up their yards to go and clean up the park. I went over there by myself. There was nobody else there. And I started moving heavy trees with gloves. I started cleaning up branches. I started throwing away things. And I was the only person that was there. Mm. Now, I'm not going to pat myself on the back about it because I believe everybody should be doing that. Um, but that's, that's phase one. Now, phase two, we go into this whole corona thing, right? That playground is currently closed. Okay. And I have a lot of statistics and data that, that prove why they should not be closed. Uh, so I disagree with that. You know, it's been three months that that playground is closed. And the people that I believe that that's affecting the most are impoverished people, people who can't afford backyards, single moms right. that have two toddlers in a one bedroom apartment that ha couldn't do anything with their children, that have no place to take them to play, no place for them to, you know, get out all their energy, et cetera. Right. I have a backyard, thank God. So it's not, it wasn't as bad for me. So what did I do? I started writing to my mayor. Uh, I started, which I'm not going to mention his name because he doesn't. Right, we're not, we're not doing shout outs here. Nope, nope, nope nobody. <laughs> uh, I started writing to my mayor. I started writing to my commissioner. I started writing to the governor of Florida. And I said, please open up the playgrounds. This doesn't make sense. After multiple attempts of trying to write to them, I didn't hear anything. I went to my commissioner's office and I sat there and I was the only person there, which is shocking to me. You know, I, I believe that that office should be packed to the brim. And I sat there, they, someone opened the door for me, a very nice commissioner, I must say, very nice guy. And I, and I spoke to him as a community leader. You know, I own a gym here in Coral Gables mm. as, a, as someone who, who is a leader within the, the charitable organization that they believe in. Um, and, and as a parent, as a concerned citizen, I spoke to him, I told him everything. And he basically told me, listen, uh, under the state of emergency, the mayor has all the power, so the commissioners can't do anything about this. I said, okay, thank you. I was, you know, I had a long button down shirt. I had slacks yeah. on. I looked did, very professional. You did the right and thing. what I did was after that, my hands were tied. Their hands were tied. I said, okay. I went to my house and I got these little pink scissors, the least threatening scissors I could find. The baby scissors. I put my mask on, right? And I went straight to the park and I cut down all of the caution tape. And I took it and I threw it all in the garbage very nicely. And as I'm doing this, I have two park employees that come up to me. They're like, dude, what are you doing? Hold on, hold on. I said, listen, guys, I tried every avenue possible to try to get my point across. Nobody can help me. This is the only thing that I can do as a concerned citizen. This affects the people that I just mentioned. You know, this is, is a terrible policy. It makes absolutely no sense. Our kids need to play. They're being developed mentally and emotionally challenged right now, which they shouldn't be. Right. Uh, they have nothing to do with this. And with all these politics and with all these other things, and I believe that this is wrong. So this is what I'm doing. And they're like, oh, but you know, our hands are tied. I go, that's fine. But I want to tell you guys because it's the only people that I can tell. And if I need to come back here tomorrow and do the same thing and the day after, I'll continue to do so because this is what is something that I believe in. So the park employees agreed with me at the end of it, you know, and later that day, they didn't put it up. Somebody put it up the next day and someone else came and tore it down, you know, and then it, we didn't have it for a week. And then all of a sudden, the, the, the Miami cases started spiking. So, you know, I, I get it. They started freaking out a little bit and they put it back sure. up. But the point is, the point of that entire anecdote is if we wait for our governments, if we wait for our, our Democratic leaders, our Republican leaders, our independents, whoever, to, to make decisions and to change the community, we're, we're not going to see those changes happen. 
we're not going to see that. It's on us. It's on us. You know, it's on us to make, go out and make a difference. You know, it's on us to help one another. It's on, on us to feed one another. It's right. on us to shelter one another. It's on us to, to show love to one another. Because the reality is that, that, that government is very slow at that. And two, they don't do a very good job at it to begin with, you know? Right. It's an interesting thing because, first of all, it's a dope story. <laughs> I like how you fight. You're fighting a man with little pink scissors. Yeah, like, listen, listen, I'll use fighting, these. <laughs> fighting with love, baby. Fighting with love. It's a big <laughs> deal. I think what it comes down to, and I was thinking about this as you were talking, was we give the government power because we think their best interest is our interest. But the government's interest, the people who are in government, is acquisition of power and, in a lot of cases, paying back people who put them in power. So yeah. their, their interests aren't our interests because if they were like we're not their constituents right so if we were it'd be like if you were if you were a head of a company and your stock was public right your obligation is to the stockholders it's not to the economy at large it's hey you gotta make sure people who are investing in the stock y'all are good if you're a politician and you're in power your constituency are people who promote your campaign and so the reason those things take a long time is because it's never just let's open the parks up it's well, we can open the parks up, but you got to give me this on the other side. And if you give me this on this side, if we go back and forth, then it's what you want is really for people who put you there. And it becomes a whole thing where it's like, we're in the middle. We're like pawns in this chess game. Yep. And we're being moved around. Like, let's open up. Let's close down. Uh, mask on, mask off. And that's a cool you know, it's, song. It's, it's our <laughs> fault, though. It's our fault, man, because we, we passed the book. You know, we're at a point where people are not accepting personal responsibility, you know? And, and listen, I have some stats here that I want to share. Sure. So we, 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 we closed down our parks, right? We closed down our children playing in playgrounds for the past, it's been four months now. I can't even count, you know, yeah. it, let's say it's been four months since March. And this is a study from the UK, but I also have numbers from Florida too. Of 50,000 people that died in the UK, 50,000 people. Okay. Hmm. Under the age of 15, three died. Three. Under the age of 44, which you assume is a parent and their child, right? Yeah. All together, less than 500 people. So we have our parks and play. We have our playgrounds closed for our children to play. For what exactly? You know, let, let's go right. to Florida. Let, let, let's see what Florida looks like, you know? So, well, you, and, got, you got receipts over here. I'm ready. Judge Judy. Dude, I'm ready. Because, because listen, if I'm going to say something, I want to back it as well as I can. You know, right. I don't want to say something just because I have a blind opinion. If these numbers change and I'm wrong, then I accept it. I'm wrong. But, you know, in Florida, zero to four years old, zero deaths. Five to 14 years old, one death. 15 to 24, seven deaths. 25 to 34, 22 deaths. Okay, this is since March. We're talking about a total of 3,841 deaths since March. Mm. Why, are, why aren't we allowing children and parents to play in the playground? You know, if, if it's an issue of yeah. the elderly population. Listen, I, I'm very clear that 85% of deaths in Florida, and I'm sure it reflects pretty similarly in the rest of the country, yeah, are 65, so. 65 and older. 45 of our, 45% of our deaths have been in nursing homes, right? Wouldn't the intelligent policy just to be to isolate the elderly? Wouldn't, I mean, wouldn't that be the best bet to just say, listen, if you're above the age of 65, stay home. You know, we, we have people that are willing to go to the supermarket for you, we have people that are willing to walk your dog for you. We have people that are willing to, because I would be willing to, I, I, would, I would do that in a heartbeat. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Why should, why should children that are zero to five years old have to pay for other people? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and, and like on, on, a, 
on a broader sense of things, we live in the U.S. It's, it's no secret that we've had decades long, I think since the 70s, of diabetes epidemic and obesity oh, yeah. epidemics. And these are two big comorbidities when we're talking about corona. Where, where is the personal responsibility push? Where is the push to say, listen, you need to take care of your body. You need to take care of your mind. You need to take, if you don't know how to do these things, these are the resources that you can use to help you do these things. You know what I mean? I'm not saying to, to, to be loveless. I'm not saying to not be compassionate. I think that that is the way to be compassionate, to tell your brother or your, your dad or your, your equal human being when they're making a mistake, call them out in a loving way and say, this is what we have to work on, you know? And, and there's a complete absence of that. Nobody, it doesn't matter if you're left or right or up or down or whatever it is, nobody's saying, guys, we need to start being more responsive. And that's very frustrating as a coach. Right. It's very frustrating as someone who studied nutrition. You know, it's, it's, it's almost absurd to me. You know, yeah. I wear my mask to respect other people. But now also let's talk about what people can do to take care of themselves too, you know? Do you think the push or lack thereof of personal responsibility is mostly politically driven? Or is it just a societal thing where people don't want to be responsible for, I'll, I'll, I'll switch the position. I believe people don't want to be responsible for anything they do on a large scale nowadays. And I, a small example would be Twitter, Instagram. You post something, people feel a certain way, and then you feel, and I, mean, I don't mean like things that are unimpeachable, like, hey, I love my country, and people start coming at you. That's whatever. Like, but if you post something ridiculous, and if people say, hey, you can't do that, and then your position is, well, well I got to be like, you posted it. You wrote it, and then hit send. And when it was in your brain, when you read, you know, this country went down the handbasket because of X group of people, what did you think was going to happen next? You would be like, yeah, I'm with you. You knew if you took a moment to look at it, this would go sideways. There would no. be a certain number of people who would be like, hey, man, no, you can't do that. And, and so the idea that I think people want to say and do what they want to do. And then when it's negative, they don't want the repercussions of it. Just like people want to eat poorly, be out of shape, and then you know, put the healthcare costs on the taxpayer because we have to pay for them to I get agree. like it's like the idea of, hey, just because Dunkin' Donuts is open, you don't gotta go. Like don't or, close or don't, don't, don't close the restaurant. Have, have one donut. And then walk it off. Like <laughs> exactly like like we're not telling we're not telling people not to live we're just saying be responsible and be like be responsible for your own actions be responsible for the actions of your children you yeah. know and, and and fess up to it again I, I believe it comes full circle into just the hardest phrase in the in the human language right now is i'm wrong that's it okay so what you know listen i i i, I had a very i had a stage in my life that I can go into detail if you like me to, but I had a very dark stage in my life that I'm not proud of. You know, I had a stage in my life where, where if you were to compare me to the, that person that I was at that moment, it's, they're two polar opposite people, you know, but that part of my life was necessary in order for me to yeah. get to where I am today, you know, and, and part of me getting to that phase was me being a little selfish in saying, I need to take growth. I need to get away from everybody for a second. 
and I need to grow myself in order to be a better human being, in order to be a better service person to my society, in order to, to grow and be more, you know, physically well and mentally well. And because I live that, it happened. So in, in regards to people writing things on Twitter, in regards to people saying things that may be hateful or whatnot, I think there's a combination of things. I think that, that generally speaking, we're emotional people. Um, and unless you train otherwise, it's gonna, you know, that's just the, the default. And when someone is upset, they say things that they don't mean. Right. And when it's in black and white like that, it's, it, it could be taken a million different ways. Right. No telling. Uh, I, I also believe that, like we talked about, people post something and then they can change their mind. And instead of saying, oh, you said this at this given point, right. I did. But that's not who I am anymore. You know? Like, I, you know, I, whatever. I found God. I found Jesus. I, you know, whatever the, the case may be. Yeah, I got rehab. I that's a big thing. We should, we should be more willing to accept someone and say, man, you've grown a lot since you did that. Let's applaud that as a society. You know, I mean, look at Kevin Hart, man. Yeah, Dave man. Chappelle talked about it. You know, Kevin Hart said a joke. Job. He's a comedian, dude. We all know that, that the last line of defense for freedom of speech is comedy. Yeah, it's the last bastion I, left. It, it's the last thing. Because as humans, we need to be able to laugh at one another. You know, we need to be able to just say something, get over it, and move on. Right. And Kevin Hart said something that at the time he thought was funny. And, man, the repercussions that he got for it were, were unbelievable. It was, it's crazy. You know, and, and I don't know him personally. I don't know what's in his heart. I don't know. But I'm sure that he's done a lot for, for himself, his family, his community. He's done a lot for a lot of people. Exactly. And, mm -hmm. and you're going to judge him on, on that? Like, why don't we praise the good things that he's done? You know, why don't we praise about things that the community builders are doing instead of trying to sit there and nitpick? But, but I, I believe that crowd comes from a crowd of people who aren't happy with themselves to begin with. There you go. So in order for them to feel better about themselves, they have to really put down someone that may be successful, you know? I, I, I watch a lot of stuff, so I can't, I wish I can like cite the source of this, but they basically said, we judge people by the worst parts of themselves and we see ourselves as the best version of ourselves. Yeah. Because if yeah. we judge people, if we were judged on our most negative parts, then we would never have the gall to come at somebody else. The people, listen, Kevin Hart has 50 million followers or whatever. Let's say 10 million came at him, whatever, 20%, whatever. If you look at those 10 million people and you pull out their deepest, dark secrets, they wouldn't be like, I can't believe you, you tweeted this. And it's like, um, dude, you did this in high school in real life. You, yeah. you, you yeah, broke yeah. up with someone after three years via text. You'd like, right. if you start pulling out people's worst parts, then they won't have the gumption to just be like, how could he, he let me down, yada, yada. Yes. It's like, because we are, we're, we have the luxury of not being famous for the most part. So you don't know. It's that holier than thou mentality too, you know? You dude, listen, again, I, I'm, I'm biased. I'll say it clearly. But I believe that I was created by God. And I believe that because of that, you and I are equal human beings. Right. You know, I, 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 I see you as a brother. I see whoever else comes around me. I, show, I, I, I don't treat everybody around me equally. I treat them accordingly. If someone comes up to me and they show me love, man, I will bend over backwards for that person. I will give them the shirt off of my back. If someone is rude to me, you're not, you're not coming in this row. You know what I'm right. saying? Either way, people that have betrayed me in my life, if I see them in a life or death situation, I would give my life for theirs. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But we, we've lost we've lost the idea of intrinsic value, right? So if you believe that society was made out of random, if you believe that it was just this crazy explosion and we were all random, then you and I have no value intrinsically. 
And if we have no value intrinsically, your life and my life, what do they matter? Right. At that point, what does murder mean? At that point, why should I help? You know, now if I believe that I have a creator, let's say it's not true, right? But I, this is what I want most lay people to believe. I want them to believe that they were created by someone, that someone is always watching them. So that one, they can behave better. And two, they can love their, the person next to them. Right. You know what I'm saying? And, and that's what we're missing. We, you know, as a society, we are missing God. And if, if, we, if we had a big push for God, I believe that a lot of this stuff wouldn't happen. Now. You know? Yeah. We've, yeah, we've, we've, had, we've had bouts of that. We've had pushes. And then because we're found on freedom of religion, that's, that's ingrained in the country. So more of the country still believes in God and doesn't. The issue is that, and maybe not even an issue, the fabric of the country is that there will always be people who don't. And even if you don't, it doesn't mean your actions have to be detrimental. Right? No, you no, just, not, no, no, no. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, have, yeah. I have plenty of atheist friends, yeah. you know, I, and, and they understand that they need to do good. We're talking for the general lay person that is not yeah. very intelligent. They, it's, it's in our best interest that they believe someone's watching them all the time. You know what I'm saying? There's some accountability there. I've, yeah. said, I've said before on, the, on previous ones that I think it starts, I think most things are mental. So you said the accountability thing, but I think because like my background in school is like psychology type stuff. So I think mental, really this whole podcast <laughs> is when kids are young, they aren't taught the right mental faculties and right mental approaches to certain things like disappointment, failure, sadness, um, self-worth, whatever. And then when they're developing, they don't get those things and they get older and they just, those negative things play themselves out. And the issue is that you and I are a generation removed from generation X or whatever. Unless we were informed about what that stuff is, we don't have the skill set to teach it to our kids because we didn't get it either. And our parents definitely didn't get it because they came up in the 60s and 70s. And so that was like, free love, man. It wasn't about like, let's get into your mental thing. And then before them was the World War II generation. So they definitely weren't talking about mental health. They're they PTSD. They're just trying to like survive as a country. And so people don't have the right mental backing and the mental strongholds to deal with what life is. And then they get into life without like the lack of accountability is something that you learn that as a kid. Hey, if you pay, if you grab a toy from there, put the toy back. That's basic right. accountability. If you hit somebody and they say, Hey, your, your kid hit me. And I say, Hey, you hit him again. You're not, you're not going outside for two days. Say like, okay, yeah. like or that's what those are. I disrespect my dad, and he whooped me. Right, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's like, like calling your parents by by their first name. It's like I'm your mom and dad. You don't call me Chris right. and Alex. Like that's learned early. So then when they get in school, they say, "Hey, Miss Davis," instead of "Hey, Barbara." What's the answer? Like, but it's it's not put into it early on. Then you don't you don't get it at 22. You just all of a sudden become respectful unless you go through some you know metamorphosis. But most people don't. And so they don't, so bullying, I think I've mentioned this recently, but bullying only works if the person being bullied allows it to. Allows like, it, 100%. Like, like, like mental bullying. If someone physically is bigger than you, then it's like, hey man, I haven't hit puberty yet. That's one thing. But also, if it's an easy person to deal with, then they're going to continue doing it. Even right. if it's a smaller guy than that, but, they, but they're mentally sharp and they're, 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 they've been training, you know, they have martial arts background. Sure. Which, which, listen, I believe that if every single person in the US studied a martial art, our world would be a better place now. Yeah. You know, the discipline that it gives, the, the, the hardship that it gives in the sense of mental toughness, the uh, ability to think quickly and critically, 
I mean, you, you could just go into it, you know, like yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm never about a blanket mandates or anything, but I believe that if every single person practiced martial arts, we would be in a lot better place, man. Murder would be sure. down. Uh, robberies would be down. Rapes would be down because there wouldn't be easy targets. No, but, I mean, that's, that's, kicks. That's a, a side note, you know, but I think it's, but that's, that speaks to the point that in every generation, there's been few people who attempted to bully and bullying comes from hurt and the lack of being seen and, it's the whole thing. So like that the hurt people hurt people thing is a real thing. But if someone says, Hey, Alex, you're a loser and you believe you are, then it works. If you say, no, yeah. I'm not. Then that's just, just attempted. That's just attempted bullying, which is not a real crime. Cause then they'll be like, man, Alex is, I can't get through to him. I keep trying to like get him off his game, but his game is solid. But if your game is not solid because you come home, your parents aren't sounding boards for you. You can't give them what you want to give and they can't give you anything back if they're absent another thing, then you start thinking, am I a loser? Is that why my parents aren't together anymore? Mm-hmm. Is that why, you know, I can't get the boy or girl I like at school? And then, then it starts reinforcing a lack of foundation in your brain. And I think well, that, and that's, and that's a place where I really believe fathers play a huge role, you know, mm. in the sense of discipline, at least in my household, like, in the, and, and I, I believe in, in certain gender roles, you know, I believe that mom teaches what mom is good at. And I believe dad teaches what dad is good at. And that can be kind of, you know, uh, fluid in a sense of, you know, different personalities bring different attributes to the table. But man, in my household, I'm the disciplinarian. You know, I'm the, I'm the one that's consistent. I'm the one that's, that's always the same. This means this, this means that, you know, these are the rules. Uh, I'm the one that teaches both of my kids how to fight. You know, I'm the one that teaches both of my kids, you know, that my, I teach my son how to treat women and I teach my daughter how a man should treat her. Right. You know, and with, without that, we have chaos, dude. We have, you know, the, there's, there's nothing, there's nothing. And, and, and don't get me wrong. Listen, my wife is my rock. Like my wife is, is the balance in our household and her role is equally as important as mine. There's separate roles in the sense of, you know, we have two different things. We kind of take our own tasks, but the, the best way to do it is to work synergistically. And for me to understand that she is a lot, you know, she's just as important as I am in this entire situation, you know? Yeah. I don't want everybody attacking me saying that I'm anti-woman or anything. <laughs> no, listen, but, but here's the thing. If they, they're going to <laughs> because, hey, listen, that's the, because that's the nature of the game. Listen, man, if anybody that spends a day with me will know that, like, you know, I, I love as many people as I can and I serve as many people as I can. And, and if anybody wants to say anything about the way that I believe and the way that I do, I'm willing to listen to them. But you can't be bullied if, if you're not accepting the bullying, right? Like that's you just what I'm saying. Like, like people you just said, man. Like people no, attack there's only, you. There's only two people that know that what's in my heart. It's me and God, you know? Right. And if, and if people have a problem with what I'm saying or whatever, then that's just silly, man. That's, that's their own problem, you know? I think that, that conclusion is where I was going with it, where you can't say anything definitive without antagonizing a certain segment of people. Like, if you say, you know, I, I love all women, then there are people who are like, do you mean trans women? And they'll come at you. If you say, um, I think men should be head of the household, that's reinforcing negative general. Like, you can't say anything. Without Listen, but results, some backlash. Yeah. Results, results are all that matter, right? Results are all that matter. So let, let's let's look at the households where, where the men is the head of the household in the sense of discipline and other things. And let's see where those kids have gone in the sense of wealth. Let's right. see where those kids have gone in the sense of uh, education and schooling. Let's see where those kids have gone in the sense of, of uh, you know, how, how far they prosper in society without going to prison. Right. And the results speak for themselves, man. You know, even if it is a thing that's, you know, deemed whatever, chauvinist, whatever it is, the reality is 
that the best way to work is when a man, you know, the, the father, it doesn't have to be a man, but when a right. father figure doesn't even have to be biological, sets yeah. certain tone. And when a mother figure sets certain tone, and when those two things come together, listen, there, there's something important. I watched this video. You know why God is called a man? No. So it's, it's important. You know how there's a big push to say God is a woman and all this stuff. I haven't so seen God, this push, but I'm not surprised. So, so God is, is graceful, right? God is forgiving. God is loving. God is, you know, uh, understanding and empathetic. If God were a woman, men would look at that example and say that those are womenly traits. Mm. But because God is our father, because he is a man, we see it and we say, those are also manly traits. You know, we need to be gracious. We need to be forgiving. We need to be empathetic. We need to be loving. And because of that reason, I believe it's important to say God is a man. Because for those men that don't have father figures, for those men that don't have an example, if they, if they just decide to look above and they say, man, like, I should be forgiving, I should be empathetic, I should be giving, I should be charitable, then, you know, the world's a better place, you know, because we have the ability to destroy it, and we should have. It's a lot easier to destroy than to build. Well, I mean, you're, that's, I think that's the... It's almost like it's easier to gain weight than it is to lose weight. <laughs> it's like it's like you can just sit home like for three days and be like, oh, what happened? Like, but it's to lose weight is work. And, and, you know, lose, yeah. Listen, it's it's to be evil is an easy thing. To do good is a very hard thing, mm-hmm. right? I can literally stay at home and do absolutely nothing, and I'm evil. Why? Because I'm not I'm not uplifting my body. I'm not using my resources to help out someone. That, those are bad things. I mean, the absence of good is bad, right? But in order for me to be good, I have to get up early. I have to go out and seek my community. I have to try to use my resources and creativity to help the most people around me. That's hard work, man. That is really hard work. I just thought you just made me think of something. I think one of the issues that plagues people is that when you do good, you don't always get the audience for it. And some people do good for the adulation, right? I'm doing good. I want you to see I'm doing good. So I want you to see me at the shelter. I want you to see me for charity, what have you, whatever. But if you do bad, that gets the lens. And so we see, so the bad gets magnified. The one bad thing you did undercuts the 90 good things you did. And it's like, it's so some, some, people, yeah. some people have an issue with people doing good to, to show off. And, and I have the, the exact opposite reaction. Do good and show mm-hmm. off. Because we want to make that popular. You know, I, I, I donate to the WOW Center. This is a, a plug. The WOW Center. Hold on. Are we doing this, plugs now? This is their logo. <laughs> This That's is cool. their logo. It's too so they, what they do is they, they're a, a center in Miami that takes care of adults with developmental disabilities, right? Yeah. And they're, they're five days a week throughout the entire year, minus this whole corona time. And, and I used to give money to them, and I didn't want to tell anybody. And when I started thinking about it, I started doing the opposite and started telling as many people as I can. And what happened in turn because I started telling everybody? More people started uh, Giving, I guess people, people thought I was a better person or whatever, but more importantly, people started giving too. You know, they yeah. started getting inspired by me. And whether it's that organization or a different one, they start giving money because I start telling them the importance of it and how it's making me feel internally and what I'm accomplishing because of it, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do believe you do good. Get as many cameras as you can there, you know? Even if it's for selfish reasons, the idea is we're promoting good. Let's get as much good yeah. out there, even if it's just because you want to do it because it makes you feel good. You know, you say you care more about the work than the motivation behind it. Yeah. 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 Because at the end of the day, it's results, right? That's all I care about. That's all I care about. All right. You're going to build a house for someone because you want to be popular on social media. Build 10 of them. Dude. You know, uh, give, I'll, I'll even follow you. You know, I'll listen to you. I'll do whatever. Like, I don't yeah. care. Like, I don't like, care. 
there, there, there's something about dude. My 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 battery work kind of dying. Oh, we can we can wrap uh, it up yeah. anyway. We're, yeah, we're, we're gonna start I, wrapping I'm, up. I, I wish we could talk about this for I mean forever, man. I'm really no. enjoying this section. No, that's all good. Uh, where can people find you on social media and the organization you just plugged so they can kind of follow the dream and all that stuff? So um, you can follow me on Movement Clinics on Instagram, um, Movement Clinics, and the organization that I'm talking about is Wow Center Miami. Um, they need donations now because of this whole corona shutdown. Their, their social workers are not getting paid. They're mm. trying really hard. Uh, Nati Wong is their executive director, and man, she gives her entire life for that place. And you know, I, anybody that's here in Miami, if you want to take a tour of the, the center, I mean, they're not having classes now, but please tell me, I'll take you there myself. The place is unbelievable, man. You know, the, the first time I walked through there, the, the feeling that I had that I was a part of it was, if I could bottle that feeling and sell it, I'd be a billionaire right now, you know? Uh, so, you know, and besides from that, I encourage anybody listening to this, give money, man. Every time that I've ever given money, I receive a lot more in return. Give your time. If you want to stay sane and you want to, you know, continue feeling good about yourself, donate, man. Give, give your time, give money, give yeah. effort, whatever you can. And that's the best way to stay sane. It's something that keeps you accountable as far as accounting is concerned financially. It's something that just makes you a better human being. It makes your community better. Forget about these politicians. Forget about the T-man and the, and the B-man and, you know, your local governors and mayors. Two superheroes. The only person that can make a difference is you, you know? So I encourage everybody to donate to whatever the cause may be that you think is important and, and build, man. Build as hard as you can. Yeah, I appreciate it, Alex, man. Thank you for coming through, dropping stats, receipts, plugs this guy this guy's been all over the place it's like i got a t-shirt i got a logo I'm like, it's like wait a minute we, we don't we don't have sponsorships but i'm here for it um this is a deep talk i hope people got something from it and hope they follow you and follow your follow your organization i think you're doing good work man keep doing the same thing keep your community accountable keep them up and we'll be through this at some point maybe post-election but we can get back come, to some level of normal. Come, come November, we'll forget about everything, right? <laughs> <sighs> get me started. Thank you guys for tuning in to the Unofficial Therapy Podcast. This is Chris Kane. That was Alex. We'll see you guys next time. Deuces.